0: You know, there's a point in time in a lot of these checkerboard chatters that we do that we get to come across paths will cross with people who you are more than just colleagues on the road and covering programs around college football and college basketball. What's up, Tyler Ivins, Checkerboard Chatter? They just keep coming in, don't they? Top 25 matchup after top 25 matchup. If it's not Kelly Harper scheduling it on the Lady Ball side of things, the men are also doing it as well. And they return to the Food City Center at Thompson Bowling Arena Saturday against. The Illinois fighting eye. I would sit here and try to play it up professionally and be like, let's go to the SB Nation of the Champagne Room and talk to Drew historic I've known this cat to the right of me for a very long time. Drew, salutations. You may or may not be living in my house for two days in the next four. This, you may be coming to visit when you cover the University of Illinois. First and foremost, brother, I know you're doing well. I just want to get right into it because I know the listeners want to. What do we need to know? about a top 20 ranked Brad Underwood program. You know what? No, 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 We're going to do this like a Quentin Tarantino movie buildup. Backstory first. Andrew, what do we need to know about the Illinois fighting Illini leading up to what we saw, a 98-point performance against Florida Atlantic at the Garden earlier this week?
1: Yeah, that was um, definitely one of the more entertaining games that I have watched in some time. Illinois has had a lot of dramatic games. If you go back to last year, one yeah. of those was in the Garden against Texas. Big second half comeback. Had a, a very impressive showing against UCLA in Vegas last year. Terrence Shannon Jr., who I'll get to in a minute, had I think twenty nine points and was eight of nine from three in that game. Get just can run the basket. Yeah, get just completely nuclear in that game, but. Those moments were few and far between last year. You had those flashes of, wow, this team can beat anybody. And mm-hmm. then they lose to Penn State three times. You know, they, they they were very inconsistent. They were not a team that you could rely on throughout, you know, game in, game out. You know, you had certain players you could count on, but it was not a consistent effort like we've begun to see this year. Brad Underwood, I would say, you know, Brad Underwood and Rick Barnes are kind of in similar scenarios. Both the programs are kind of in the same space, in my opinion. Sure. Very successful, specifically in the regular season. Very good coaches. Coaches you would be fine with having. Have not really gotten the job done in March. Fan base is maybe a little agitated. I know at least on the uh, Illinois side, that's the case. It's, oh, Brad Underwood can't win in March he can't win in March until he does. Right. So right. Yeah. You know, second, that,
0: just, Rick Barnes is second round Rick until, Oh wait, he gets to the sweet 16.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, Illinois had that great run in the 2021 season where they were one yeah. seed mm-hmm. and they were just cooking. They were playing as well as any team in the country. And then Loyola trips them up in the round of 32. And ever since then, it's been this, oh, well, Brad Underwood can't coach. They don't have the right guys. They can't do this. They can't do that. It's it's just like, you know, winning is hard, right? I mean, it sounds elementary, but.
0: So it's one of those things. Where hard. I think. It's
1: hard to do that consistently. Um, would you, but from would where you Illinois say, came from, sorry, just real quick, Tyler. From yeah, where Illinois yeah. came from in the late 2010s or late aughts, early to mid 2010s, until Brad Underwood took over uh, in 2017. It, it's light years different, and this team has the look of a team that can compete with anybody in the country. You saw that on Tuesday against FAU, a Final Four team last year, and that was the most complete game Illinois has played. Really, all season they're in a really. This will be the third game of a really difficult or tricky five-game stretch. They've gone two and zero so far. They beat Rutgers in Jersey last weekend. They stayed on the Eastern Seaboard in the uh, the New York New Jersey Metro, I guess, and played at the Mecca of basketball in America, Madison Square Garden, and, and beat FAU in the Jimmy V Classic, and now heading to Knoxville. To face the vols so um it's not gonna get any easier um i know the vols have had a just a maniacal non-conference schedule so far yeah um uh, so not getting any easier for your folks either but yeah th- this team is is starting to look like they could have that 2021 20, look to them where they could be trending towards you know a, a three seed two seed one seed a lot to play still obviously but Uh, The construction of the roster looks to be one of those teams that you would expect to see raising some kind of banner or cutting down some nets in March. It it seems
0: like, and this happens with every university or college that has success or expects so much more from both the football and the basketball programs. It seems sometimes they take the football mentality of a 12-game season and they look at a 32-33 game season of basketball and go, this guy just can't win. And then you turn and look and you see somebody finishes 26 and six. And you're like, you kidding me He's a top 12 team in the country. Like, let's relax. And, And also to that, I think that it's often too, when you ask about SEC basketball, you'll hear people say, oh, SEC basketball is great. You got Kentucky, you got Bruce at Auburn, you got Alabama, you got Arkansas, you know. You even got Tennessee who sometimes, and it seems like they're like that ellipses. There it is. Anytime it feels like I talk Big Ten with anybody, it's like, you know how it is. You got your Michigans, you got your Ohio States, you know, Maryland, great stuff. Indiana, that's really serious. And, you know, sometimes – then there's Illinois. And it's like, you know, you just, it just seems like yeah. they're that butt-um, that ellipses. Mm-hmm. When you look yeah. at Brad Underwood's program, they want to get physical. They have scores that want to get to the rim and get you in foul trouble early. I'm glad I brought you on because when I watch Illinois and you've known me long enough, I'm a college hoops guy. It's just what I do. I just, I suck it in. Yeah. I look at Illinois and I look at Tennessee and it's the Spider-Man meme because I can see that happening that that's how we want to play basketball.
1: Yeah. And, and that's sort of to my, my longer point earlier is that yeah. both programs are very similar. They both like to play really stifling defense. We know Rick Barnes mm-hmm. likes to do that. Tennessee's had one of the best scoring defenses in the country for several years. Brad Underwood likes to play that style. You'd say, wait a minute. He just gave up 89 points to FAU, but that's not the whole story. Illinois also shot 64% in that game. So I mean, it doesn't tell the whole tale. Likes to be physical. They rebound the ball like crazy. They've already had, I think, four games this year with 50-plus rebounds. So... And, you know, probably a dozen or so of those a game are going to be offensive rebounds. So they'll get second chances. That dog they, hunt. They're not a, it's not Kofi Coburn from a couple years ago, right? Where they're going to right. feed the ball down low and you got to triple team him because he's seven feet tall and 300 pounds. They don't have a guy like that, but they try to be aggressive around the rim, specifically with Terrence Shannon Jr., the Texas Tech transfer, mm-hmm. Chicago native. He's playing at an, an All-American level right now. Uh, first team All-Conference to, to start the year. He's lived up to that. Him coming back after what was admittedly a, a disappointing season for most of us that cover the team and follow the team. Him coming back was crucial to any success this team is going to have in 23-24. And he has played like... The guy we thought he was going to be when he transferred from Lubbock to Champaign a couple of years ago. He is, and Jay Billis put it this way on Tuesday he's a downhill driver. He can score from all three levels, but him running in the open court, him attacking the basket, he's as dangerous a player as there is in the country. Just that explosiveness around the rim. He plays angry around the rim. He'll he'll go up. He's not afraid to draw contact. He'll try to dunk on three guys if he's got an angle. He'll try to do that. Um, he gets to the free throw line a lot. Only Zach Eady from Purdue had more free throws attempted and made than Terrence Shannon did last year in the Big Ten. Zach we know Edie's, the Zach Eady story. Yeah, uh, seven foot five, seven foot four. Depending on which liquor store he's in, I guess. But um, he's the modern yeah. day hack-a-shack, Drew. It, it is. is. If you get the ball, you know he's going to go to the free throw line if he gets a free look. Right. right. And so, yeah, Illinois doesn't have that big hulking guy in the middle. They've got Dane Danger, who played at Baylor. This is his second year at Illinois. He He's an inside presence, but nowhere near the magnitude of a, a, a Zach Eady or a Kofi Coburn, anything like that. They will attack the rim, but th- that's the thing that. I think makes them the most dangerous is that now they've got that alpha. We thought they had the alpha last year in Shannon. He had moments. We talked about that before the UCLA game where he had one of the best games any players had in the last like 15 years, but now he's strung it together. He's averaging I think 24, 23 points a game had 33 against FAU. Yeah. On Tuesday, I every
0: second of that game, and yeah. I just watched Tennessee falling to FAU in the Sweet 16 at the Garden last year, and then seeing who they returned back, and I and I remember just sitting there going, "Well, for two reasons, I want to know kind of the return FAU, but what to expect for Illinois," which then leads me to the next question: Is Drip Historic is joining us here from the Champagne Room over at SB Nation? They're 19th in the nation right now in field goal percentage. Illinois is. I mean, they, yeah. they had a lot of shots for falling, and they have been falling. Is this a Finally, a complete team? Is it a combination of just who they've played and shots have fallen and they haven't played an elite defense like Tennessee? Both can still be true. But when I see a team who's eight, seven, nine games into their schedule and they're hitting damn near 50% of the shots they throw up, I think who they've played and maybe they just rolled out of bed and said, let's hit shots. Which one could it be if not both?
1: I would think it's both. Um They did have a relatively favorable schedule early. They had their first six games at home, though they did play Marquette, a top five team, Mm. and and lost to them. But I'm I'm glad you hit on the the roster piece of it. Last year, there was a lot of attention on Terrence Shannon because he came in. He's a Chicago kid, came in from Texas Tech. Matthew Meyer, who transferred from Baylor, Part of that national title team in 19, I think it was. So Illinois had the number one or number two transfer class last season. And people thought, wow, like that's huge. Sky's the limit. Sure. And it just never really came together. Personality wise, style wise, it just never really gelled. Sure. And there was a lot of youth on last year's team, even though you brought in two veteran guys, two, you know, fifth year players or fourth year players, there was a lot of youth on last year's team. A lot of inexperience. This year, it's like the complete opposite of that. It's the get old, stay old thing. Three grad transfers from this team. So you have... Marcus Damask, who went also for 33 against FAU in the Garden. So you had two guys go 33. He's transferred to Southern Illinois. Justin Harmon, combo guard from uh, Chicago, played at Utah Valley. He transferred in. And Quincy Garrier, who, Tyler, you might know from his days uh, at Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brad Underwood literally tried to get Quincy Garrier to come to Illinois for five years. Like, literally. Every year tried to recruit him to come to Illinois. And then finally, like third school is the charm. I go to Syracuse, I go to Oregon. Now I come to Illinois. So
0: if Michael Myers could chase the same girl for 40 years, Brad Underwood could yeah. chase the same guy for five years. All right. Exactly. Like
1: sometimes, Sometimes, sometimes
0: the virtue. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So they they they've gotten, I think, the the formula figured out. You're not just leaning on a bunch of 19-year-olds. They also had some players transfer out that were maybe some bad apples, some bad personality. So this group, and again, we're what seven, eight games into the season. There's still plenty of time for me to be proven wrong on this. (laughs) No, but it's a 25% checkpoint. It's a checkpoint, but it's a good checkpoint. Yeah. At this point in the season, you know, we're almost to the end of non-con transitioning into, to league play here shortly. Um, the roster construction with one exception seems to be in in a pretty good spot. There's a good amount of depth. You know, if you lose one guy, you can bring in another guy off the bench and there's not a huge setback. The one exception would be the point guard spot. Brad Underwood kind of came into this thing with no real point guard. Jaden Epps, who was, at times, the starting point guard last year, a true freshman, he transferred to Georgetown. Sky Clark, highest rate of recruit red right under whatever had. Right. He left mid-season. He transfers to Louisville. So you're like, ah, who's going to be the guy? Um, they got a really nice-looking freshman, Dre Gibbs-Lahorn. He was playing well early in the year, and as the competition's gotten tougher, he's gone – a little bit further down the pecking order. Sure. Um, we've seen more of Harmon, more of Terrence Shannon, more of Ty Rogers, not your prototypical point guard. He's a bigger guard at six foot six. Doesn't really shoot the ball outside of like 10 feet. He's just not offensively right where you'd want him to be, but tough as hell uh, has a good feel for the game. Just isn't offensively as refined as a lot of, maybe Makes more sense. experienced players are. So, if Illinois can sort out that point guard position, another guy uh Nico Moretti, his brother Davide Moretti played at Texas Tech on that Final 4 team uh, several years ago. Um he was getting more and more time. Illinois played in Spain in the off season over the summer and he was getting a lot of time at point guard, a lot of reps. He's out with a, a bad foot right now, so um He was getting more and more minutes incrementally and now he's hurt. So someone I think will evolve into that role as we move along. That to me is the only possible hindrance right now because top to bottom, it seems like players know their roles and understand them and are willing to just do that. Marcus Damask was one of the, all-time leading scorers in the missouri valley conference one of, he's like a 2000 point score at southern illinois ideally he's like a 12 point per game scorer at illinois he just right. had 33 on tuesday you're not going to get that every night but if if that guy's getting you 12 13 14 and he's like your fourth best player that's going to be a team that's really dangerous in march
0: I'm glad that you made a comment about something and drew historic during the program here. That's from the champagne room and SB nation. Look, they don't correlate. It's kind of like that old adage, man, they need those 15 practices for the bowl game because that's really going to help the win percentage the next year. And then it equates to usually nothing. It's just 15 additional practices, maybe at a warm weather beach site. Uh, I did see an interesting stat, and God, had I known this, I probably would have brought it to the table. But I believe each of the last seven years, don't quote me on this, six years, half of the Final Four field has included two teams, at least obviously half of the field, has included teams that did an international summer trip. And I see... You tell me they spent time, I believe you, what did you say? They were just in Italy or did I miss here? Spain Spain, because Tennessee was in Italy. I misspoke. The balls were in Italy and it's so funny because talking to a lot of the players, when we get our media veils and when we do one-on-one NIL stuff with them, they, a lot of them, whether it's connect, whether it's Ziggler, whether it's James, uh, they all have made reference to just have the importance of them being together during the summer and how yeah. there wasn't a lot of a break, especially when you're doing a lot of those transfer portal kind of meshing of personalities, Those are huge, huge, huge moments. Um, So I'm glad that you brought that up because that that was going to be kind of a tie-in near the end. But it's good to know that this Illinois team clearly very tight-knit, close group. But even the tightest, closest friends and teammates have an Achilles heel. What seems to be a common occurrence or what has at times reared its ugly head during this five-game winning streak, better yet, this 7-1 and start in Champaign?
1: Yeah, uh, glad you brought that up, Tyler. Thanks for reminding me that this team is not perfect. Um, <laughs> I would you say you want the, me to uh, talk
0: about sixty-one points given up in the first half at Chapel Hill for one of the best defensive teams in college basketball. I mean, homie, everybody steps on I, attack. If I say
1: it, if I say it, I'm a d bag. If you say it, you're just telling it like it is. So um, I'm. This is literally a black and white conversation.
0: <laughs> So go ahead, step on a Lego at midnight on the way to get water in the fridge and tell me more about it.
1: No, no, it's – seriously, though, I I think the problems that we saw a lot of last year have still presented themselves this season. Um, Free throw shooting, though, against FAU, Illinois was 18 out of 20, so no issues in that particular game. Free throw shooting has been – a major problem. Um, and that's even with a guy like Terrence Shannon Jr. getting to the line like a thousand times. Right. They've just They've had a, I mean, they had guards last year shooting 34% from free throw, 20% from free throw, 40%. So they've had some issues. Just, it doesn't matter who it is. Hopefully this game, against FAU on Tuesday cured some of that. They were just clicking completely. Um but that's been a problem. You you just you're not going to win in March. You're not going to win against a lot of good teams shooting, you know, 65, 66% as a team. You're just not going to do that. It's been tested. There's not that's not like advanced analytical stuff. That's just facts. You watch games teams that can't make free throws have a hard time closing out games and winning another.
0: We like to refer to that as HYFT in my neck of the woods. Okay. We don't, we don't do enough hit your free throws around here for a guy who follows me in my gambling accounts. And I drop the HYFT often on social media. I figured you of all people would have dropped it. Speaking of which, I, I segment's free and brought I, to you by Riding I, with Ivan, so go ahead. But I, I know, yeah, hashtag RWI, I know that. Yeah, but so, yeah. yeah, this is, no, I'm sorry. Oh, wait, they didn't pay for this segment, so we got to move on. Keep going. <laughs> um, uh, I'll ask you this. I'll ask you this, because this is a question I really want to get to about Illinois. In your opinion, is this an Illinois team? Because a lot of Tennessee fans, whether I'm doing the local show or when we're doing stuff here with rivals, it seems a similar question always gets brought up. Has Tennessee yet to face a team that's more of a pretender than they are a contender? I know that's so 1990s low-hanging, but what I mean by that, and I think what they mean by that, is, is Purdue a legitimate Final Four contender? Nobody would question that. Is Kansas a legitimate Final Four contender? I don't think anybody would contest that. Uh, Carolina? Nah, I think they need one more score to go with Baycott and and, and maybe Haynes, and then they'll, they'll be fine. Is Illinois in your eyes? this stretch run at the very beginning of top 25 teams, top 20 teams that the Vols have seen. I think you're pretty neutral. I think you're pretty anchored to the ground. You don't get too high with highs or lows or lows. So I think you're a fair person to ask covering this Illini team. Do you believe that Brad Underwood has a legitimate team that can get them to Phoenix this year?
1: Man, do you listen to my podcast? Holy crap, man. Um uh-
0: <laughs> called homework, kids. Uh, do you're so. Right,
1: right, right. Um, as as my hazel eyes look through my orange and blue covered glasses, I would say yes, objectively, you know as it's subjective because I'm an Illinois fan, but right objectively, when I look at the broader picture, I said this uh, on on my podcast uh, this past week. This team is final for good in my opinion. I'm not saying, they will be in the Final Four. They're the best team in the country. I'm not saying sure. any of that it's too early for, you know, those proclamations. But I think you know, for a lot of the reasons I talked about before, they are Final Four good. They've got an elite scorer in Terrence Shannon Jr. They play pretty good defense. They rebound very well, and they they seem to interact well with each other. I think that's the stuff that people don't really look at it's those intangible things like how is the locker room how do they coexist and this team just seems like they coexist very well I said earlier they you know they know what their roles are and they embrace it they're they're attacking the year at least at this point it seems like with a common goal whereas last year it was like well I'm gonna go to the NBA so I just want to Shoot the ball 40 times, and right, I'm, I'm gonna go to the league next year anyway, so who cares? I don't get along with my coach, I'm gonna be here for one year anyway, so I'm just gonna do me. It doesn't seem like there is that issue this season, they, they understand each other. Brad Underwood has been dying for a team like this since he got to Champagne, and he's had some damn good players. Iodisumu. Kofi Coburn, even guys that didn't stay like, you know, Adam Miller, Alan Griffin, you know, he's had lots of top talent churn through champagne or van. He put them in champagne and stick it with but, it. But finally this group seems like they get it. They have a common purpose. And if they can clean up the free throw shooting, as well as the three point shooting, I was going to mention that as well um they got into some bad habits last year where they're shooting, you know, 35 threes a game and making seven <laughs> and instead of just not doing it, they would just continue to do it and hoist up stuff all the time for no rhyme or reason and it's like you're playing not to lose even in games you're losing kind of a right. thing like we're just going to shoot 33s a game and we're going to make seven and that's just how we play um They seem to be a little more judicious with it now. So if they, you know, they were eight out of 20 against Florida Atlantic. If they take 20 to, if they take 20 to 25 threes a game and make seven of them, I think most Illinois fans can live with that. If they're taking 28, 30, 32. You can't live in the 27
0: to 29 percentile. If you're over 30%, you can live and die by the three.
1: Yeah. You just, you can't play like that if those shots don't go in they don't have a shooter that they can rely on that's gonna you know they don't have a Steph Curry type of guy sure they don't have they had Alfonso Plummer a couple years ago from Utah who was like a 40 plus percent three-point shooter they don't have that guy though I will say Terrence Shannon right now is shooting 45 percent from three I don't think you can sustain that I don't think he's going to do that all year but He was 32% last year. So if you can be somewhere in the middle and be 38, 39, that's first team, all big 10 for sure. That's all American type of stuff. If you're getting 20 points a game and you're shooting the ball close to 50% from the field and 38% from three or something like that. Good luck stopping that dude. So, uh, Long answer to a short question. I think the way the roster is built, they do have enough to compete with some of those elite teams in the country. And getting FAU, getting that win in their holster is huge. Tennessee is going to be another impressive win if they can get it. They've got Mizzou coming up right around Christmas. Um, They play Colgate in between Tennessee and Mizzou. So they they've got this this really tough five game stretch from Rutgers last Saturday to December twenty second. We're like smack in the middle of it right now. We'll see it on Saturday. If they can emerge from that at like four and one, that's going to be sensational. Andrew Pastorik. You can find
0: his work over at the Champagne Room at SB Nation. He will be in Knoxville covering all things Illini Volunteers. That's going to be a noon tip-off. That's at the Food City Center at Thompson Bowling Arena. Drew, safe travels. We look forward to seeing you very soon, sir. Thank you.
1: That's going to be a lot of fun. At least we know an orange team is going to win. So one way or the other,
0: one of us is going
1: to be happy. So um, happy to be there. Last time I was in Thompson Bowling Arena, uh, I think it was 2008, maybe. Pearl was still there. I want to say that I was in college. So 08, 09, something like that. And uh, played uh, my alma mater, the University of Indianapolis, played Tennessee in basketball. Stan Girard was a player under Bruce Pearl when Bruce Pearl was at Southern Indiana. So um, didn't go my squad's way that night, but. I don't know. I'm feeling good about Saturday. It's going to be fun. It's going to be an entertaining game for sure.